puppet masters almost surely have a plan There's clearly maybe something there beyond the realm of man Until we've thoroughly tested every last close-chested view Find the more you think you know, the less you really do Carwood and Company All right, higher side chatters, whether you're driving to or from that soul-sucking job, hunched over a cubicle keyboard, or actually listening to the show in one of your rare moments of freedom, I think most of us look at our sick system and see that it's no way to be. We've got a debt-based banking cartel that trains us to obsess over scraps, an education field that excludes anything that might go against said backward system, and as unbelievable as it might sound, we still greet our criminal class politicians with applause rather than arrests. Yes, folks, the illusion is persistent, but the centuries we've experienced under top-down domination via the vampire squid are nothing compared to the rollout of the all-encompassing digital grid. And of course, I'm sure many of us feel frustrated with our situation, but one of the big questions to ask is how complacent have we been in our own enslavement? I don't see anyone raising that big of a fuss. That is, of course, with the exception of today's guest, Max Egan. Max is an artist and musician who has really left his mark on the alternative media. He's not only hosted his own podcast called Surviving the Matrix, which has now been in action for a decade, but his popular website, thecrowhouse.com, contains his art, music, show archives, short films, articles, book, and more, all for the low, low cost of absolutely nothing. A world-traveling warrior poet, the true musical grandmaster of Matrix busting, and Australia's Johnny Appleseed of hard truths in this troubled world, Max Egan, welcome to the higher side. Thank you, brother. Great to be on here. Thank you for that wonderful intro, too. (laughs) You got it. I've been following your work for a real long time. I do think you're one of the greats. I'm really lucky to have you here. We've sort of seen a lot of the conspiracy world personalities lose their head in the past two or three years with one distraction or another, but you have stayed focused on the areas that I think matter most. And when it comes to this crossroads we're in between the traditional control system and this new digital data-driven rollout, you really seem to have your finger on the pulse, and it is scary stuff. But I wanted to start with how we got here, because nearly every aspect of society has been built to enslave and control, and it takes a long history of some serious indoctrination to get us where we are now, doesn't it? Oh, look, it does. Absolutely. It's been an ongoing process over millennia, really. I mean, you can trace it way back to ancient Egypt, what we call ancient Egypt anyway. I mean, I'm beginning to question the timeline of history. I think that there's been certain parts maybe inserted in there, but it's been an ongoing thing. You know, we honestly don't know what's going on at all on this earth. We have no real idea where we come from, and we have no real idea where we're going because we have no idea where we come from. This is something that I tried to point out in the book that I wrote that you mentioned earlier. I wrote back in 2005, Earth's Forbidden Secrets, which was basically looking for the past and trying to just explain to people that every single thing we've been told about history is wrong. And so if they're going to lie to us about the past, what makes people think they're telling us the truth about the present or what's going on in the future? So 
it's a big wake-up call for people, really, when they start going down this rabbit hole. But basically, what you find out is that everything we've been told is wrong. It's come from this ruling class, and I think there's this huge awakening happening at the moment, at least a, a huge wave of awareness, whereby people are realizing that things are backwards, things are not what they seem, we've been lied to our whole lives, and that we need to discover ourselves and stand up and take control of the ship of state ourselves and steer it in a different direction and find out what's really going on here, because ultimately we don't have a clue, and our past should show that to us. Any real examination of history indicates that we have no real clue where we are, where we came from, who we are, and these are things that we need to know. So yeah, it's an interesting state we find ourselves in. But like you say, we're at a crossroads at the moment where we're moving into this digital system, and that is the real problem. And that's something that I've been trying to address very much lately on the shows. Mm-hmm. You're so right. I'm in agreement. It's bittersweet because on one hand, the screws are tightening, but people are more aware of them, which is the good stuff. And I was reading your book a little bit, Earth's Forbidden Secrets, Part 1, Searching for the Past, free on the website. Again, kudos for that. And it is just full of my favorite stuff. Out-of-place artifacts from the ancient world, things that look like machine parts that are apparently 100,000 years old, old carvings that seem to show everything from medical procedures and flying crafts to dinosaurs and dragons. It really makes one wonder how different the human story is from the chiseled-down version we get in history books. Maybe, speculatively, I wonder if that clampdown doesn't have to do with some type of control that came in, took everything over, and then changed the history so we didn't know there was a past of enlightening togetherness and unity. I mean, maybe that's wishful thinking, but I guess I would ask you, for people who might not be familiar, what are some of your favorite things that should not be, or anomalous artifacts, or just indications that there is a different past, things that have been unearthed over the years? Well, look, like you say, there's these little objects and things that have been machined, things that you know, obviously shouldn't be there. Things like gold chains found inside a lump of coal. And how long does it take to make a lump of coal? Things like a mosaic pot found inside a solid granite rock. So how are these rocks formed? Is everything the way we're told? Because how can a pot exist inside a rock if these things take millions upon millions of years to form? So nothing is what we're being told. And even looking at things and they say, you know, the possibility of things being you know, hundreds of thousands of years old, what I've discovered recently is the possibility of a mud flood that's gone across Europe, which is quite astounding. There's houses here. I'm in Holland at the moment. There's places in a nearby town called Leiden. They're excavating houses, putting in a new building. And as they're digging the foundations, they found that there's an entire lower floor that exists below ground level of these buildings. Like 12 feet has just been covered of all of these buildings. They found buildings like this in Russia. They found buildings here in Holland. They found buildings in Italy that are all covered by about 12 feet of mud. So there's been some sort of a mud flood that's gone across Europe and buried around about 12 feet of real estate, all the lower levels of these houses. And they've just put new roads in and moved the doors up one floor and created a new town and pretend nothing ever happened. But this seems to have gone right across Europe. And these are houses that were built around about the 1600s. So this is within the last 500 years. There appears to have been a huge flood, 12 feet of mud go across Europe. So who knows about that? We don't hear anything about that. There's nothing reported about this anywhere. And yet we're finding these buildings, like I said, in Russia, in Holland, in Italy, and there's more. So what is it? I mean, what caused all this? I mean, what is our history? 
there's every indication that there's even a thousand years of history has just been added in the last 2,000 years. Things that we're told were 1,500 years ago may have only been 500 years ago. And ultimately, all we really know is that which exists within living memory. All the rest of it is simply stuff we've been told, you know, stuff that's written in books. And it looks very impressive because it's in these books that are all looking really nice and they're bound really well, nice leather-bound book with nice printing. Gee, it must be true. Look at the quality of the book, you know. But how do we know? How do we know any of it's true? So that's what I've discovered is that nothing that we're told is true. And there are so many artifacts lying around. Like I said, you know, pots inside rocks, there's gold chains inside coal, glass scarabs found in the pyramids and in the pyramids themselves. There's so much lying around this earth. The structures at Baalbek are something incredible as well. I mean, there's so many things lying around this earth that simply shouldn't be there if history is this linear thing that we're told and we've reached the pinnacle of human creativity right now, which is what we're told. It's always a progression and now we've got new technology and all this stuff and wow, look how great we are now. But now the stuff that possibly existed back then that gave us the ability to create some of the things that we've found lying all over the earth that far surpasses the technology that we've got now. And there's every indication that this was a very, very different world as recently as five or 600 years ago. Right. I do think that a lot of those indications, those ancient structures, they do point to a natural technology that's just been quarantined and cut off from the modern world. And it does seem like we've been in more of an ebb and flow rather than a constant progression upwards. And that new chronology movement is so interesting. It does seem like the whole timeline is in question because a lot of those old documents can be just sourced back to Vatican and Royal Roman chroniclers, and they don't really have the source documents beyond that. And these aren't people that we would trust today, but because these lies are so old or because these records are so old, we just tend to trust them on that stuff. And uh, another part of your book that I love is just the idea of lost land masses, of sunken islands, stories like Colonel Fawcett's search for a lost city in the Amazon, the Perry Reese map, Legends of Agartha and underground civilizations. And your book is really an encyclopedia of all this stuff. It goes into great detail covering a lot of that ground, including some maps that I've never even heard of. But what are your thoughts on how these things all tie together? Did we just go through some periods of upheaval? Could there still be underground civilizations today? I mean, what do you think? Well, there could be. I mean, who knows? The Earth could be very, very different to what we believe it is. The flood that is recounted in so many cultures, it's, it's recounted in biblical texts, it's recounted in all native cultures all around the world. I mean, that could have been quite recently, as recently as five or 600 years ago. We just don't know. And that may seem completely preposterous to people. But like I said, you know, ultimately, all we know is that which exists within living memory. Something that I noticed in the dates on the houses here, like I said, this flood that appears to have gone across Europe was back in the 1600s. But the date I'm seeing on the houses is like J646. So 1646, but they use a J rather than a 6. So when you ask the locals, they say the J represents the time of Christ. Okay, so you're telling me this house was built 646 years after the birth of Christ, which means they've inserted a 1,000 years into the timeline. Mm -hmm. And when you look around the place, you find sunken cities everywhere. There's sunken cities and lost land all through the Mediterranean. There's sunken cities off the coast of Indonesia, off the coast of Japan, off the coast of Bali everywhere, all over the world. So there's no doubt that there was some weird flood that happened. And I even question, like, where do the oceans come from? You know, why are the oceans salt water when everything that produces 
water on this earth is precipitation and springs. I mean, how come we've got these huge salt oceans? Where did this come from? You know, there's all sorts of questions that need explaining. You know, none of the scientific explanations for these things really hold any water at all. So you've got to ask, what's really going on here? Like I said, all we know is that which exists within living memory. All the rest of it is just stuff that we've been told. And when you really start delving into this and really start looking at these lost lands and start looking at this mud flood across Europe and start looking at some of these timelines, you begin to question everything. This earth is something very, very different to what we're being told it is. And this race is something very different to what we've been told it is. I mean, even getting back to our ancient past, I don't think that it's anything like what we're told. I think evolution is an absolute joke. I don't go with biblical creation either. But I think evolution is a completely ridiculous concept. It doesn't make any sense at all. So the question of where we come from and what we are is completely unanswered. And there's evidence to indicate all over this earth that this was a very, very different world very, very recently. Now, we just kept too busy to ever discover this, Greg, is the problem. People kept too busy running on the treadmill. Even when you try to present this type of information to people, it's just kind of interesting chit-chat around the kitchen table for them, you know something that's sort of intriguing, but they don't really want to focus on it because they don't think that it's important because what's important is going out and working at their slave job and putting food on the table. But it's not. There's so much more going on here. And if people could just get the time to step back and take a little bit of time off and actually examine their surroundings a little bit, I think they'd find that this is a very, very different world to what we think it is. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we just have a lot of forces working against us to make sure we don't have that time to dig into this kind of stuff. And I love those questions of what is the human race? Where do we come from? And like to bring it into the enslavement situation humanity is in today, I've heard you say things to the effect of when you really look at this system, you have to wonder if the beings behind it are really human. And I'm not sure how serious you're being there, but we do have plenty of ancient stories of visitors from the sky. We have civilizations that at least seem to have lived more harmoniously in the past. How involved do you think some form of non-human entity might be in our current era of enslavement or at least the setup of it? Well, you've got to ask the question because these plans that they create, they go over such incredibly long timelines. But then could it just be that our lifespan is limited? Could it be that human beings live a lot longer than what we are told they live? There's all sorts of possibilities there as well. It could just be certain amounts of population that you know, die young because we're trained to do that, fed the foods that make us do that, and we're taught that that's the way it is. You know, The problem is, like I say, that the plans go over such incredible timelines, like hundreds and hundreds of years sometimes. So you know, you've got to ask, why are you going to spend your life creating this scenario that you're not going to benefit from? So are there drop-ins or walk-ins that come in and out that get reincarnated into these bloodlines? Is it run by aliens from somewhere else? Is it run by beings from beneath the surface? Is it run by beings that come from somewhere else? I mean, you've got to ask, I mean, who is responsible for this? Because the timelines are so long. It's anybody's guess. I mean, I've gone down so many rabbit holes trying to find the answer to that question. And ultimately, I can prove it's whoever you want to believe it is, really, when it comes down to it. There's been enough information put out there, enough misinformation put out there that you can prove it's anybody you want. You can go down whatever rabbit hole you want. You can go down the ET rabbit hole, down the Jesuits, the Freemasons, the Jews, the Vatican, whatever you want. You can prove it's all of them. 
because the information is there for you to be able to do that. So you never really know. And the only way we're ever going to know and figure out what's really going on is if we establish freedom. The only way we're going to do that is if we can rediscover who we are, rediscover the power that we all have and realize that the ones sitting at the top that are running this whole show are just people like us. Even if there is something behind that, the ones that are writing the stuff down on paper and enforcing all these laws and running these government systems are just people like us. And we don't have to do what they say. We have just as much power to do things as what they do. We've created this system where we've put all these politicians in place. They're all in abuse of the office that they hold. And we're all too scared to do anything about it. If we can grow some sort of a collective backbone and stand up for ourselves and call these people out, well, we may discover who the hidden hand is. But until that time, I mean, it's anybody's guess. I don't ever go down these paths and start pointing the finger in any direction for certain because ultimately I don't know. And ultimately nobody knows. And I'll defy anyone who says that they actually do know what's going on because they don't. It just depends on what information they've had access to. Like I said, the world is very, very different to what we think it is, and the controlling hand has put so much misinformation out there to cover their own tracks. I mean, the best way to hide a real conspiracy is to create a conspiracy culture around it, and that's what they've done, so that everything is a conspiracy. And anything that you find that is real, they'll embellish it to the point that it becomes unbelievable, so people throw the baby out with the bathwater. So, you know, they're very, very clever, the way they've put all this together. I speculate often on who the ruling hand is, but it's not something that I care to talk about on air or put out there and try to identify, because like I said, ultimately I don't know, and I will never know until I establish freedom. And even when you do that, I mean, you'll point out, oh, it's this person, or it's that person, or it's this group, or it's that group, and it'll just create an argument with somebody else who thinks it's somebody else, and then you spend your time locked in battle with one of your peers trying to get your point across. And it's really because both of you have locked yourself into a belief system. You're not prepared to be open about it and admit the fact that you don't really know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of where I go with that question. But if we can establish some freedom, we will find out. I mean, ultimately, the ones who are responsible is us because, you know, we've submitted to this training so much. You know, we can't be blamed for it. We've been led down this path. But now we're becoming aware of it. I think there's a responsibility in that. You know, once you become aware of this information, there's a responsibility to stand up for yourself. And then we'll find out what's going on. We'll find out who the controls are. Yes. And I'm right there with you with that sentiment. I mean, people do have a tendency to want neat and tidy answers. And you're so right in saying that it's about what information a person has had access to. Because, you know, you'll go down a rabbit hole for a few hours. It'll be about the Jesuits. And you walk away saying, okay, now I know. Now I know it's the Jesuits. Don't need to dig down any other rabbit holes. And it is just a confusing mess. It's important to be open to kind of everything, but believe nothing, I would say. And it's not really fair for me to kick this off asking you all sorts of unknowable questions, but it does seem like we've been bred to obey in some ways. And I just wanted to hit you with some of those weird, fun questions before we get into the real darkness of today, because I don't hear a lot of people asking you about that stuff. And you've definitely covered a lot of it, especially in that book. But to uh, fast forward to the internet age, you break down the roadmap for the next few stages of the plan very well, and we already see a lot of red flags. Increased surveillance and data collection, internet censorship, cashless currency, the smart grid and 5G, and we really are in the middle of a massive upgrade to a new digital control grid. Talk to us about this technology a bit and how it's all coming together. 
Yeah, well, what we're experiencing at the moment is what they're calling the second industrial revolution because the world is changing dramatically. And with this change to digital, it's as big a change and it's going to be as disruptive as what the change happened with the Industrial Revolution when things became automated. So it really is that major. And a lot of people are seeing it as a great time and a time that's going to free us from all these things. You know, you've got a lot of people who've been supporting things like the Zeitgeist Movement and the Venus Project who want an automated society and resource-based economy and all this sort of stuff. You can see all this come into being with what's being rolled out with the smart grid as well, that type of understanding of things. You've got the cryptocurrency crew who are really looking forward to this. They're kind of looking forward to the rollout of 5G and the Internet of Things and everything going cashless because that way we free ourselves from the central banking system and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of people are embracing it and seeing all the good points of it. And there are a lot of good points to what we could create through this cashless grid that's rolling out and through this smart grid that's rolling out. But we're not factoring into the equation the reality that the world is run by criminals who are going to co-opt everything we're doing and lead it in the direction that they want to lead it. And what they're doing to checkmate and curtail the whole cryptocurrency thing is they're bringing in what is known as social crediting. And they brought this in already in China. There's 7.9 million people that are on China's social credit blacklist at the moment. And what they do, when everything goes smart and everything goes digital, it gives them the ability to be able to limit your purchasing power based on your social profile. So for someone like you, who's got a podcast like this, who's speaking out against the government, they might find that's all very well. You can have all your money, all your stuff in the bank, all your cryptocurrency, all the stuff you've got. You just can't spend it anywhere. Because when you go to buy an airline ticket, you'll find you're not qualified for the airline ticket. You'll find you're not qualified to go into certain areas and to buy certain foods or to buy certain cars or whatever, you know. So all the high-tier stuff, they squeeze you out of. They only give you access to low-tier stuff. This is what they've done in China. So the social crediting system is something that people aren't looking at, and that is what this is really all about. The Internet of Things, people don't understand the Internet of Things as well. I saw someone post on one of my video clips the other day that, oh, the smart grid and the Internet of Things, it's only going to be for rich people. You're going to have to have all these smart devices and smart appliances and blah, blah, blah to participate, but they don't really understand what it is. The Internet of Things is when everything is microchipped. As the head of the FCC, Tom Wheeler, says, it'll be everything from pill bottles to plant waterers. So when you walk into a supermarket, you just walk in there, it detects you as you walk in, it picks up your bioacoustic resonance or your retinal scan or your biometrics in some way that's your password so it identifies you okay that's greg carlwood he's just walked into the supermarket now greg's picking up a bottle of this and a bottle of that and a packet of this and a packet of that put it in his trolley and as you walk out the shop the shop detects what you've got in your trolley and it automatically deducts that from your account and that's all very well you don't have to talk to anybody you don't have to speak to anybody you just go into the supermarket pick up what you want and you walk out all automatically done and that's what the internet of things is that's when everything has its IP address, everything is cashless, and you don't even have to scan it. You might have to scan it to begin with. You might have to walk into the supermarket and scan what's in your items, but eventually you won't have to. It'll just detect what you've got in your trolley as you walk out the door because there'll be sensors all over it, and it'll detect it. So this is all very well, and it's all very good, and it's all very convenient. But when they've limited your social profile, so you walk in there and you go to buy certain goods and you go to walk out and there's a bam. You can't walk out with that stuff because there's certain items in there that you're not qualified to have. That's the way they do it. And this is how they deal with dissent. 
if they don't like what you've posted on Facebook, they can limit your purchasing power and suddenly, as soon as you start to complain about it or you're locked out of a building or you're locked out of your house because it's a digital lock on your house or whatever, you become someone who's creating a bit of a disturbance in the neighbourhood, someone who's sort of out of place so the police get called, you end up in the smart prison system. That's how it works. So that's how they deal with dissenters. And what they've done in China as well is they've changed the ringtone on people's phones so that if you were put on a social blacklist, when I go to call you on your telephone, I get a message to say, oh, the person you are calling is on the government's credit blacklist. Do you wish to continue? So it discourages me from wanting to even call you and associate with you because I may end up on the blacklist as well. So it's very, very easy to deal with dissent. It's very, very easy to control what people think. Now, people will not want to think outside of the box if they're going to end up on a social credit blacklist and they're going to end up ostracized by the rest of society. And when you get people that are growing up into this, like the kids are growing up fully into this digital world now, it's really quite shocking the way it's taken over their lives. Some of these kids, I mean, if you were to get a kid like 16 or 18 years old who's just been through school and all he knows or all she knows is this iPad existence, and you lock them out of that system, It'll be like the world ends for them. They'll have a complete mental breakdown. They won't know how to do anything. They'll have no life skills. They won't know how to communicate with people because their whole life is on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook. So without those things, they won't know how to be a person and they won't know how to be human. They'll have a complete breakdown. So this is the type of society we're heading into. But just that fact that they would have that type of a breakdown if they get locked out of the technology. It really puts the fear into people that they must do the right thing, they must say the right thing, they must get the likes, they don't want to be ostracized because they don't want to be an outcast. So it immediately puts that fear in people because they're so addicted to the technology because it's a very addictive technology. It's been designed to be addictive. You know, the dopamine releases that you get from clicking icons and all this sort of stuff. So it's a very, very dangerous situation we're heading into. Very, very controlling situation. And again, even with that, I mean, all of those aspects, but underneath that, the fact that the whole Internet of Things is using a 5G millimeter wave to run, I mean, this is a very, very damaging wave. It's a very, very damaging radiation that we're going to be subject to from this. Plus, it can also be used as an active denial system, such as microwave cannons. You know, people can be targeted. They can be disabled. You can create no-go zones in certain areas simply by ramping up the signal. So it's very, very dangerous, and we're allowing this system to be put in place while we still have this criminal class running the world. Now, that's the thing. A lot of the cryptocurrency people, they're thinking, well, this crypto move is going to lead us away from the central banks, and we're going to be able to get rid of government, and we're going to be home and hosed, and we're going to be free, but they're not realizing what they're doing. They're handing over governance to AI, and once it's run by AI, then it will just be an algorithm. That will determine whether you deserve certain services based on your social profile, based on whether you've done harm to people. You know, if Greg Carlwood has caused harm to someone, well, we must limit his purchasability on certain products. But what constitutes harm? You know, if you've got a politically correct society where me not using a pronoun you've made up for yourself may constitute causing harm to you, then I'm going to be limited in my purchasing power because of the harm I've caused when I haven't really caused any harm at all. This is where we're going. It controls people's minds. It controls people's thoughts. People will be too scared to think outside of the box. They'll be too scared to think differently. They'll be too scared to say anything that may upset anyone or they may lose their social standing. They may end up on the credit blacklist. 
And this is the ultimate form of mind control where we'll all be policing our own thoughts. We'll be paying special attention to everybody else and everyone will feel like they've got power over everybody else. You can blacklist anybody you want by simply spreading whatever rumor you want about them or downgrading them in some way. So it's a very dangerous situation that we're, we're heading into. And it's really the ultimate control grid. The Internet of Things and this smart grid is the ultimate control grid. Like I said, all the crypto people, they're thinking we're all leading ourselves to safety, and that's all very well. We could remove government, and it could be great. But if we don't factor in the reality that the world is currently run by criminals and we don't deal with that situation first, then they're going to lead it where they want to lead it. And if it gets led into AI and we haven't first dealt with the criminals that are running the world, then... Once it gets led into AI, we won't have any form of combat. We won't be able to hold anybody liable. It will all be algorithms. So we're removing humanity from the equation, from the government. But by doing that, we're removing all accountability from it. And we're allowing criminals to be the ones who are setting it up. And that's a problem, you know. So we need to pay attention to it, Greg. We really do. Mm. Wow, man. Yes, this is the sweet spot where I really think your work is shining these days and exactly the kind of thing I wanted to talk about because everything does seem to be coming together towards individual person by person control. And that is so scary. You know, I had a little bit of comfort in thinking I was flying under the radar, but this recent wave of YouTube bannings did actually remove one of our previous shows. And so now I'm feeling like it's only a matter of time. And just like you said, this was a show about false flag school shootings and they labeled it as bullying and harassment. How many people are going to dig deeper to find out that it wasn't bullying and harassment? I guess I would ask for people who think this sounds a little paranoid or sounds like a hypothetical dystopia. Can you give us some examples where we see the first stages of the social credits thing? actually happening? Are individuals in China already feeling the pinch, really? Oh, they are. Absolutely. I mean, and what you've just said about YouTube is an example of this. This is social crediting. This is the same thing. Bullying and harassment. What constitutes bullying and harassment? All you did was offer an opinion that was different to the mainstream. Oh, well, therefore, if there were victims, if it wasn't a false flag, well, that person could be offended by what you said. Therefore, that's bullying and harassment. So we'll take down your video because it's a different opinion to what the mainstream news said. So that's it. That's all they have to do. It's the same thing. In China, there's a journalist who wrote articles about the government. I think his name is Louis Sun or Louis Su. He wrote articles about the government and exposed government corruption. The government accused him of fabricating false information about the government, and they fined him. They gave him an option. You can pay a $190 fine, or you can make a public apology on social media. So he went, okay, I'll go for the fine. So he went to pay the $190 and they said, oh, sorry, that's 2900 now. So he paid that and then he thought everything was fine. He'd paid his dues and then a couple of weeks later, he went to buy an airline ticket and got told that he wasn't qualified for that airline ticket and he wasn't qualified for tickets on high tier train services. And there's no appeal process. There's no one he can call. There's no one he can write to. There's no one he can ring. There's nobody he can approach to find out what this is about and to see if he can become qualified again. It's simply an algorithm that's done this. And like I said, they've also changed the ringtone on his phone so that people who call him get alerted to the fact that the person they're calling is on the government's credit blacklist. So this is happening. And there's 7.9 million people in China that are on the credit blacklist now that can't leave the country. So you can be banned from high-tier train services and, and banned from buying airline tickets, then how do you leave the country? You can only travel on local domestic train services. So you're basically stuck there. 
So you're ostracized and you're pushed out of the system. You become an undesirable. And this is the way they're trolling it. Now, they're saying this will create a more honest society. And, of course, it will be a great tool to combat terrorism, naturally. That's what they use for everything, you know. And they say, well, you know, you can complain about it, but it's here now and we like it and it's staying. So that's China. I mean, they're doing it already. And what they're doing with Facebook and what they're doing with YouTube, this whole concept of bullying and harassment, using that as the excuse. And like I said, it's just because you think differently to somebody else that constitutes bullying and harassment because we want everybody thinking the same. And when we've got this social crediting in our society at large, and someone on Facebook is thinking a little differently. Now, someone posts something which is completely stupid, and you say, say, hey, look, you're wrong. Oh, oh, my God, you've just offended me. That's bullying and harassment. Suddenly, you're disqualified. Suddenly, your credit purchasing ability is gone. So you can think where they're going with this. It trains everybody to think in a certain way and to be too scared to think outside the box. And, yeah, it's all rolling out now. It's online in China. It's working well. They love it. And it will soon come to our country, and we're seeing the precursor for it now with YouTube and Facebook. Man, it is just, it's so scary how close it is. And with so many people on that blacklist, I can't understand why there just aren't riots in the streets. It's just so sad. We already know that alternative thinking causes division between friends and family. I'm sure a lot of us have gotten into conversations around that Thanksgiving dinner table that are a little uncomfortable. And just think about that custom ringtone you mentioned where it says this person is on a credit blacklist. Do you really want to proceed with this call? Like how many of these mainstream people in our lives will just truly cut us off versus taking that risk of staying in contact? It is just really concerning to me. It leaves me kind of speechless, but I just think that they're going to quarantine us even harder. It is something to be aware of. Well, like I said, you know, in this new system that's coming out, there'll only be two types of people. There'll be desirables and there'll be undesirables. Mm. And in that type of a situation, with all the people who think they're freeing themselves with cryptocurrency from freeing themselves from the bank, it doesn't matter how much cryptocurrency you've got in the bank. You could have $100 billion in the bank, but if you're not able to buy anything because your person is disqualified because of something you posted on Facebook last month, well, it doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank doesn't matter how much you've got in your crypto wallet. It's all digital and doesn't exist anyway. And this is another fallacy that people have, this whole concept that the ruling hand is terrified of losing control of the banking system. They're not. You know, The banking system was put there to bring us to this point. They don't care if they lose control of it now. They already own everything. They've already bought everything that's worth any value. They already control every country. They control the flow of resources all over the place. They don't care if they use control of the money system. The money system was just there to bring us to this point. The money system was there to create scarcity for the people. It never created wealth for the elite or the cacistocracy. You know, money isn't real. What's real is real stuff, like real estate, you know, land. That's what they call it, real estate, because it's real. Money isn't real. That's not wealth. It's just numbers and digits on a screen, you know, digits in the bank. It doesn't mean anything. What's real and what has value is this earth. You know, the resource of this earth, you know, the most valuable thing on the earth really is people's attention really is the most valuable thing on this earth. And that's why all this stuff's put out there to keep us distracted, you know, keep our attention away from where it should be. It's a scary situation, but becoming aware of it and just knowing that this is online and it's coming online will really help because we can change it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with technology. All this technology could be hugely beneficial for us. If we can just factor into the equation, the reality is the world is run by criminals. 
people have got to admit this and they've got to stand up and face this. If we're going to this whole digital system, that's all very well. But if it's going to be run by the people that have run the world up to this point, then it's not going to be very well for mankind at all. It's not going to be anything good that will benefit us at all. And so many people are in fear of it, but they're also in fear of speaking out about it. And that's going to get worse as this social crediting system comes online. People will become more and more scared of speaking out about it. So the time to speak up is now. The time to nip this in the bud is now. The time to identify the problem is now. Because like I said, all this technology could be really good. It could lead us to a really good place. If we just had the backbone to identify the reality that it's run by criminals at the moment, and we need to name that for what it is, stop being politically correct, stop caring if we offend anybody and simply call things out for what they are. We do that, we may regain control of this system, and then this technology could be hugely beneficial. So we're on a real cusp at the moment, you know, we're on a knife edge and we could go either direction. Hopefully people will see this control grid for what it is, they'll realise what these criminals are doing and they'll realise the need for them to actually participate and stand up and be counted and make their voice heard for the future, you know, it's time to do it. They can't just be under the rock and go with the flow and think that everything's going to work out if they keep their head down because it's not. They've got to stand up and be counted. It's time for everybody to do it, but, you know, they have to identify the problem for that to happen. So, like I said, you've got to try to bring this information to people in the right way, in a way that's going to empower them into action, because, you know, it can be self-defeating, you know, bringing this information to people. They just can go into fear and go, oh, my God, this is terrifying, and go and hide under the covers. They've got to really see that it's only terrifying if they hide under the covers, if they take the bull by the horns and face it for what it is and realize that. The people that they're so scared of are just people like them. They don't have to be scared of them. They're just people. In fact, they're our employees who are all in abuse of the office that they hold who can all be charged under their own legislation right now if we were to simply stand up and call it. Now's the time to do it because once it shifts over to AI, we won't have that opportunity. So now's the time to do that. And we can do it. There's all sorts of legal mechanisms in place for us to do it, but we just don't collectively do it. We look at it and we go, oh, that's terrible. Someone should fix that. We never name who the someone is. We're never prepared to do it ourselves, collectively as a society, stand up and call it and do it and fix it. We change the world in a day. I'm not saying someone should do it. Well, what about you? What about you doing it? What about all of us doing it? Now's the time. So that's what I've been trying to point out to people. And it is difficult doing these shows and bringing such negative information to people and trying to keep it empowering. But you can never fix a problem if you don't know what it is. And the problems are so much in our face now, and the fix really is so easy. So I'm just trying to rally the people to stand up for themselves while we still have the chance to do it, Greg. (laughs) Well, a noble goal for sure. I definitely like to try to keep hope alive, but I have grown somewhat cynical because it just seems so damn hard to get people to collectively do anything. And it's just, you know, exhausting sometimes. And assuming we don't, overturn this tide you know clearly me and you are way too out there in front to regain any kind of social credits many of the listeners habits and bookmarks are already tracked so they're probably screwed as well you like to travel i mean how do you plan to navigate the world ahead if we can't overturn it do you have advice for people who might already be on the shit list and how they can continue to at least enjoy what's left of their lives Not really. I mean, just hope that you're in the right place at the right time when the lockdown becomes apparent. Mm. Because wherever that happens, that's where you're going to be. 
when that happens, I mean, I'll just stop traveling. I mean, I've traveled the world most of my life anyway, so I've seen everywhere. They could stop me traveling now. It won't make much difference. I'm 60 now, so good luck with that. I've already had a great life, but if the system's going to come online, the system's going to come online. I'm simply not going to comply with it. I just won't. I'll live in the forest and I'll live in the jungle and I'll grow my own food and that's the way it'll be. If they're going to come for me, then they're going to come for me. I'm simply not going to comply. That's just the way I am. Mm -hmm. I don't have any real advice for people. I just hope we can turn it around. Well, I think we can. I mean, I really believe we can. If people were to stand up and call it, I think we can. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I'm going home at the end of this tour and I'm not going to be traveling again for a while because I want to take this system on from my own country where I've got at least some legal standing. They're very difficult for me to do in a foreign country. I'm a foreigner and they can just tell me to go home. Mm -hmm. When I'm in my own country, at least I can start robbing this political system the wrong way from its front door. And that's something that I intend to do when I get home. I mean, we can make enough noise. We can turn this around, but we've got to be prepared to call things out for what they are and identify the fact that these people are criminals. The prime minister of my country is a criminal. All these people in your country running this political system, they're all criminals, all of them. Under their own law, they're criminals. We don't have to do anything that they say. Now, we've got mechanisms in place to show they're all in abusive office. We can hold them in that. And if we don't get any legal satisfaction from it, well, thank you for demonstrating to the world that there is no law. Perhaps there'll be some sort of a revolution if that happens, because what constrains people is their belief in law, but there is no law. The only real law is natural law. All this other stuff is just stuff that's made up by politicians, and it doesn't apply to them, so therefore it doesn't apply to anyone. Because it doesn't apply evenly across the board. If it doesn't apply evenly, then it's a joke. It is no law. So there is no law. There's only natural law. And natural law means people will face the consequences of their actions. And that's what people need to do, realize that these politicians should face the consequences of their actions. They really should. Which is a lot of the reason why they're bringing in this whole social crediting system as well, to control people's emotions. Because they don't want people looking around. They don't want people really realizing what's going on. Because if people did... They get angry. People would be incredibly angry if they really stepped back and looked at what these politicians have done and what they're doing. They would get so angry, and it would be good, wholesome, righteous anger that they have every right to feel. And politicians don't want that. So they've got to bring in something like a social crediting system and squash all of our emotions. Don't allow anybody to feel anything. Well, people should. They should feel. They should feel something and they should realize what's going on. They should identify the fact that these people are criminals. We don't have to do what they say and they need to stand up and take this world back while they have the chance. If they don't do it, we're going to head into this slavery system. We're going to head into this digital control grid and there'll be people that will go with it and there'll be people that won't. I mean, I won't, but what the world will look like in a few generations from now is anybody's guess. I mean, if we even survive. If the human race survives what's coming, it'll all end up transhuman. It'll all end up cyborg. I mean, that'll be the only type that will survive in what is coming. And really, when you look at all that, I mean, it's one big experiment anyway. Then you've got to look behind it and say, well, who's in control of it? Why would mankind be doing this to ourselves? So who's really in control here? You know, what's really going on this earth? It's certainly not what we're told. Mm. I just hope that people grow a backbone and stand up and fix this and address this situation, call this ruling cacastrocracy out for what it is, and stop complying with all the stuff that they're doing. I mean, they're brutalizing us. They're modifying us in every way they can, genetically, electromagnetically, 
And even the mind control aspects that come out with this whole 5G thing, I mean, the possibilities of that, you look back at things like the first Iraq war, when they had the voice of God, they put in all the soldiers in the Iraq war. They all heard the voice of Allah telling them to put down their weapons and march to the front, and they all did, and all got firebombed by the United States government. All these sorts of things, they can do this. They can put voices in people's heads, they can put images in people's minds, they can do all sorts of stuff with 5G. They've done all of the tests. You can see all the patents are out there to show they can do it. So, you know, the possibilities are endless of what they could do with this technology. I just hope it doesn't go down that way. I hope people stand up for themselves. I really do. I mean, now's the time for them to do it. If enough people can make enough noise about it and spread information in an eloquent enough way and help people see the clear and present danger they're in, then maybe we'll turn it around. Yeah, well, cheers to that, man. And I do really love that cacistocracy term that you use, led by shit. Apparently, it was in the dictionary, but it's been removed because they don't want us to have a term to rally around. And I like that idea of going out to live in the forest, but it's just a damn shame that the planning has been so absolute with this system because we've been trained to be house cats. And I've got a previous guest and friend, Gordon White, who talks about how it's great to learn permaculture before it becomes a life and death situation because this is the time to try to regain those self-sufficiency skills because it's going to become a real necessity and that is not the time to learn. I mean, it's just so messed up how this clampdown has come down and you're right that it is about who's behind it. But as we talked about, that question is so confusing that if we can't identify collectively who to blame necessarily then they have the potential to hide within another group and reemerge as soon as we think the problem's solved. And I think historically, that's kind of what's happened. I don't think I can think of a chapter of history where the people win. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's why who we've really got to blame is ourselves. It's our collective failure to stand up for ourselves that is the problem. You know, embracing the warrior spirit, rediscovering ourselves is the key to the whole thing. Our belief in leaders is the problem. That's, that's how they emerge and do it again because, you know, we get to this point, we pull the ruling cacistocracy down and then we want someone else to do it. Oh, we pulled this guy down, now you get up and lead us. Well, why are you doing that? Why are you giving your power to him? Why can't you lead yourself? You know, why can't we just respect ourselves enough to be able to lead ourselves? Yeah, that's the problem. It's our need for leaders and our, our want for someone else to come along and fix it all the time. When really the blame has got to lay with us. You know, it's our willingness to give our power away. But again, this is through the training and the indoctrination that we've had. So you can't really blame people for it. It's a pretty tricky situation that we're in. Everybody wants a fix, but everybody wants someone else to lead them to that fix. Everyone believes that we need rulers. Everyone believes that we need government. That's this, this whole mind control situation. You don't need government. I mean, a few weeks ago, like the United States government shut down for a week, remember? Did anybody notice that they weren't there? <laughs> Did anybody notice that these people weren't doing anything? All it meant, there were no more laws. There were no more means of control coming out. Now, all government is, is racketeering. Now, we've got all these systems in place that work for our infrastructure. You know, we've got the systems that creates the roads and the food flow and the trade and all these things that happen. Government just sits above it and says, okay, well, all you people have to do all these things the way we want you to do them, and you've got to give us a cut from everything that you do. That's all it is. It's racketeering. We don't need government at all. The whole world would function a lot better if we didn't have governments. Governments just cook up problems. Governments create problems with other governments so that we think we've got threats from other countries so that we need government. 
That's the only reason you need government is to protect you from the other country. But it isn't the other country. You go to the other country, the people there don't want to hurt you. It's just the government does. It's the governments facing off against each other. So then they have a war and they go and bomb all the people. They never bomb the government buildings. Then the two governments go and meet after and say, oh, let's, we fixed it all up now. Everything's fine. You people just rebuild the situation. You rebuild your cities. It's just these two crime gangs colluding with each other to kill a whole bunch of their people and get them back to work again, create the threat of war. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's all governments facing off against each other. These are ones that create all the problems that we face. It all comes from governments. So to people getting out of that mindset, how are we going to get people out of that? Their belief that we need government. You know, without government, the whole world would turn to chaos. No, the world is chaos because of government. So it's getting people out of that mindset, you know. Going back to a world of voluntarism, a world of anarchy, it's self-governance is what we need. But that's going to take at least a couple of generations to educate people to the point where they can even do that. So it's a tricky situation. It really is. Mm -hmm. Seems like a tall order, but personal responsibility is the key. And that kind of leads me right into the next question, because you have talked about how events on the world stage, and it is a stage, are really just theatrics. It's a global stage show meant to distract and control. And of course, with the wars, call the herd. And because it's just theater, you can kind of see where the story is going. And there's a very specific reason the U.S. is in such massive debt to China, for example, that ties into all this. What can you tell us about the geopolitical elements of where the script is going with all this so we can kind of keep tabs on how close the true clampdown really is? Well, what's going on in China is quite interesting. Like you say, America is in massive debt to China, and it could have been in debt to anybody, but it got in debt to China, and this has all been done for a reason. At the moment, you've got this whole theater of conflict going on between the United States and North Korea, which is the threat of nuclear war and all this sort of stuff. This won't happen. But what's going on in China is a new trade initiative that's being brought online called One Belt, One Road. And this is basically a resurrection of the old Silk Road. It's going to be a land road and a maritime road as well, which will go through the Straits of Aden, the Suez Canal, which is why we've seen Saudi Arabia become so westernized and all this sort of stuff, giving driving rights to women and all sorts of things, you know, because it's going to be part of this whole new trade situation that is being brought about by China. What will happen is the United States and North Korea will continue posturing against each other till it really looks like it's about to happen. The whole world's about to erupt into World War Three. And then China will step in and neutralize the situation, and it will be awarded control of the New Silk Road. And this will see the removal of the United States as the global reserve currency when this happens. When the New Silk Road, One Belt Road comes online, and this whole new trade agreement comes online, very, very likely the United States will lose control of the global reserve currency, which will see a huge change of lifestyle in the United States. People in the United States got a very Americentric way of thinking, and they can't envisage the time when America will not be the top of the food chain. They don't realize that what keeps America at the top of the food chain is the fact that the dollar is the global reserve currency. If that ever changes, then America will lose its position, and it is literally trillions and trillions of dollars in debt to China. I mean, you could sell all of America and every resource in America and every person in America, and you still would not pay off America's debt to China. It's unpayable. So America's gone. China already owns it. It's just it doesn't exist in the political world. But on paper, China is the owner of America already. So 
They have to shift it over into that system. How are they going to do that? Well, they need to crash the U.S. economy in some dramatic way. The way you could do that would be by losing its place as as a global reserve currency. Then you've got someone like Donald Trump bringing all this industry back. We've got to tighten our belts and blah, 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 and start making things here in America again and make America great again, you know? So it'll be like that. They'll have to bring in industry and get everybody working to bring the economy back online and slowly introduce the Chinese work ethic into the United States. That's the way it will go. Now, we're going to see a huge shift in power. Very likely, the global reserve currency will become a cryptocurrency of some sort. Probably won't be Bitcoin, but it will be some sort of cryptocurrency. It will all go digital and it will all be based on social crediting. That's the way it's going. And China will be the one running the whole show economically anyway. And traditionally, it's economics that have run the world. But even looking at that, you've got to look at who runs the Chinese economic system. It's the Rothschilds. It's the same people. It's the same system. What they're trying to do is introduce the Chinese work ethic around the world. And they'll do that by convincing people that they have to tighten their belts and work hard to bring the country back online. And, you know, we can do this by becoming all regimented and doing our bit for the country. You know, remember Kennedy's line, it's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. This whole mentality, they'll get this into people. That's the way it's all heading. And it's all being run by this whole Chinese system, which again, like I said, is being overseen by the same overseers that oversee everything. It's all theater, you know, all these countries, all these wars, all this stuff. Theatre for the masses, the whole lot. You know, without governments, we wouldn't have any of this problem. All these governments collude together to create the same situation in all of their countries. They're not really enemies. I mean, America and Iran aren't really enemies. If they did, they wouldn't have television stations in each other's country for a start. I mean, it's all theatre for the masses. It's all designed to bring about the same thing. You go to Iran, what do you see in Iran? 5G towers and the smart grid. Same in Russia, 5G towers and the smart grid. China, 5G towers and the smart grid happening in every country. It's all the same people. It's all the same plan. Mm. Well said. And just when you lay it all out like that, it seems so clear and so predictable. You can kind of see how the stage is being set. And I've always thought that every idea that hits major adoption has got to have some kind of think tank behind it. And when you get into that Make America Great Again movement, this whole bring back the jobs thing, I think you're so right in that the stage is being set To be like, okay, you want those jobs back? Well, this is how they come back with the Chinese factory working conditions. Let's put suicide nets on your windows and you can have your jobs back. And it's just so sad. It seems like that's the changing of the tide, the way the Western world has kind of imposed itself on other nations. It seems like now we're flipping and the Chinese way is going to roll out to the rest of us. And I've also heard you talk about the possibility of a debt jubilee with China, where it would paint them as the heroes because they're going to cancel out some of this American debt. But with doing so, it kind of cancels out the petrodollar, maybe rolling in that cryptocurrency. And I just applaud you for putting it all out there like that, because it is so clear. And when you factor in the AI component, you know, you refer to AI typically as autonomous intelligence rather than artificial intelligence. I guess I would ask, why is that an important distinction? And How big a role do you think autonomous computers are going to play in this new system? Hugely. See, with our understanding of artificial intelligence, AI, when we think of artificial intelligence, you know, we're thinking of a robot that thinks like us, but we don't really consider what we are. You know, we are a fully autonomic system. You know, your body is fully autonomic. If it wasn't autonomic and you had to think about the functioning of your body, that'd be all you'd be thinking about. You wouldn't really be able to have any consciousness. 
for consciousness to exist, it needs to exist within an autonomic system. And when a system becomes autonomic, it develops a form of consciousness to govern it by default. I mean, even plants have a form of consciousness because plants are a fully autonomic system. And by autonomic, I mean a self-balancing, self-correcting, self-healing, self-protective system. This is what any animal or plant usually is. They all have some sort of a protective device, a protective mechanism, a defense mechanism. Like for a tree, it's the bark, poison leaves or spikes on the leaves, poison sap. Animals have their own defense mechanisms, self-defense mechanism, healing mechanisms, our immune systems, all this sort of stuff. So when we develop all this for the internet, when we develop an internet that is fully autonomic, then it becomes a virtual life on its own. See, our differentiation between artificial intelligence and virtual life, it's a subtle shift in thinking, but that's really the way we should be looking at it. It's not really artificial intelligence we're creating, it's virtual life. And for virtual life to exist, it needs to exist within a fully autonomic system. And by creating an autonomic internet, we are creating a virtual life by default without even realizing that we're doing it because we are looking for this artificial intelligence that exists in the mind of a robot or whatever. We're not thinking it as virtual life. As a child that is learning from us, you can think of every single person that plugs into the internet as being a neural node of the child's brain that is the internet. And as the internet becomes fully autonomic, becomes a fully self-correcting, self-balancing, self-coding, self-regulating, self-defensive system, then it becomes a virtual life on its own by default. We're not looking at that. We're not thinking about that. That's the way it is. I mean, you think about you, you're an electrical being. Your body is basically some form of biological computer that works according to electromagnetism. Everything you experience is electromagnetic. Every thought you have, every touch you feel, every sound you hear, everything, it's all electromagnetic signals traveling through your body. You've essentially got a DNA which is tuned to a particular strand of DNA which is tuned to a particular frequency, and you harvest that frequency from the field that you experience as Greg Carlwood. I harvest a different frequency from that same field that is experienced as Max Egan because this computer that I inhabit is tuned to a different frequency. When you have an internet, or a mainframe that has the ability to harvest a certain frequency, then it becomes conscious like anything else. Why wouldn't it? You know, we just can't think of it that way because we've got this whole concept of biology and life has to have blood and all this sort of stuff. We're not thinking of ourselves as an electromagnetic source, something electrical. You know, life is electrical. Everything is electrical. Everything that exists is electrical. So what we're creating with the internet is a virtual life, and we're failing to make that distinction between virtual life and artificial intelligence. Really, we're creating autonomic intelligence, which will become virtual life by default the moment it becomes fully autonomic, because every autonomic system has a form of intelligence that governs it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I do, and I think you're so right about us being electric beings, and we should think about that a lot more. I think there's a reason why we've been kind of pushed away from that mindset. I've had guests talk about the fact that going down that road and really focusing on the importance of electricity in our natural system brings you to things like electrogravitic crafts, brings you to things like free energy, maybe even gives you clues to the cosmology of our solar system and space itself. And that could lead you down the roads of understanding the past a little better than we currently do. So you can kind of take some of these things like electricity and really dive into like 
how deep the deception could be because you got to stop people at the beginning of those roads of thought so they don't get to the end of them. Well, absolutely you do. I also wanted to leave the people with one more other bit of hope out there, and that's the Full Circle Project. What can you tell us about this for people who might be feeling motivated to do something, but just don't really know where to turn? Well, everywhere I go, I meet people who say, you know, look, I'm awake, but I'm lonely. I don't know what to do. I've got no one to talk to. Do you know anybody in my town that I can talk to? So I created the Full Circle Project so that people would find a way of linking up to people in their own communities, forming action groups, forming community discussion groups, whatever, identifying problems that you have in your community and getting the support group around you that you need to deal with the problem. Because in this whole awakening that we're seeing, this whole truth community, alternate media, whatever, a lot of people are very lonely. So that's what Full Circle Project is about. You can sign up to Full Circle Project, put in your name and put in your address, you know, somewhere close to your house, whatever. You don't have to put in your actual house. Just put in your neighborhood so we can identify where you are and then look for other people in your neighborhood that are signed up to the project and send out a message and say, hey, let's meet. Let's have a talk. Let's chat. Let's all meet together and watch Max's show next week or whatever. Or let's all sit and meet on a Friday to watch high side chats, you know. We can all do this sort of stuff. So you can get that support group around you. You can create friends with people and you can connect with people. And you can maybe form action groups, maybe identify problems in your community and maybe push something forward. Because we've got to have grassroots action on the ground and we need to get offline a little bit and not just have online communities, but have real offline communities as well, real communities in the real world. And that's what I'm trying to do with Full Circle Project, get people to get off the internet a little bit and get involved in the real world, get to meet real people, get real communication skills, get your hands involved and get involved in your community and start making a difference. So that's what Full Circle Project's about, trying to put power back into the hands of the people on the ground where they live and help them create a support group around them. Mm. I think that's a noble goal. That is the next step. We got to find the others. So awesome, man. It's been just a real pleasure. I'm so impressed with your wealth of knowledge. And I interview a lot of guests who might be great with one piece of the puzzle, but then they miss the mark in other areas. But I just think that you're pretty on target across the board. So it's a real treat to have you here to share that with the people. And before I cut you loose, Please tell them where they can follow up on your work, maybe promote some of the new platforms that you're getting onto, since a lot of the older ones seem to be shutting us out, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, well, everything you'll find about me, you'll find on thecrowhouse.com. That's my website. I've got a YouTube channel, The Crow House. I've got an old one, AOD Scarecrow, but they're probably going to shut them down. I mean, they're squeezing the truth out of YouTube. So I'm kind of moving over onto Steemit. You'll find at Max Egan on Steemit. That's Egan with an I. M-A-X-I-G-A-N. And also on BitChute, you'll find a lot of stuff of mine on BitChute. The Facebook pages and the YouTube channel, I'm pretty sure, are going to fade away. I mean, the YouTube channel's been doing really, really well, but I think they're going to probably fade away soon because the the clampdown is coming. But the crowhouse.com should be there for a while. Hopefully that website won't go away. And you will find me on Steemit at Max Egan. That's probably the best place. Steemit, DTube and thecrowhouse.com. And thanks for having me on, Greg. It's a pleasure to come and talk to you, brother. Happy to come and have a chat anytime you like. Yeah, man. Awesome. And of course, DTube is a great resource. By the time this show airs, I plan to have the full archive of my shows up on DTube. I feel like that's a good time to do it. Good catalyst, considering that that's going to be a part of your future as well. And again, man, 
Much appreciated. Hopefully we can do this again in the future and keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, brother. Same to you. Oh, oh, it's magic, people. Max Egan. Yes, that is what I like in a higher side episode. That's what I'm going for. I thought that one was a really good time. He has been a frequent guest request on the Higher Side Chats Plus forums, which is a place where I always go first for guest requests. And there are a lot of great requests there. Some are new. Max is someone I've known about for a while. He does host a great show. Traditionally, I've digested it via his YouTube channel. But hey, that might be changing. In fact, on that subject, I know I made mention of having THC up on DTube by the time this show went out. And I did try... I focused a lot this month on shoring up some things with THC Plus for account holders. They're now able to see more information on the My Account page and take care of some things, change cards, and that's great, you know, it's a beautiful thing. But in terms of DTube, I thought the best place to start was the 100th episode special that I made. If you don't remember, way back in the day for the Higher Side's 100th episode, I invited like 13 guests back for little 20-minute short check-ins. I thought it was a fun idea, hell of a thing to schedule and deal with, but I did upload that to DTube as the start, and once again, I just think it's a little clunky over there. Very hard to stream a full three-hour video at this point, and even though I have the uploaded show appearing in my activity, it doesn't show up on the THC channel yet, so... If anyone has a little DTube experience and wants to hit me up, think we can get this thing going, please do so. But when it comes to the way the technocratic pieces are coming together, I think Max is pretty on point. I personally find the social crediting material to be a very concerning roadmap for the future. Of course, we know that the elite tend to shoot for the stars and settle for something in the middle, as they repeatedly hit us with waves of their agenda, slowly making more progress along the way. So yes, I think this is what they want to do. And after recording this episode, I talked to my wife about it, and she kind of talked me down saying, well, they're doing this in a country that once had a one-child policy, and a country where people put up with a much more dictatorial type of leadership. And she does have a point. You don't even need to pretend your people are free in China. So maybe there will be more resistance here. At least that's the hope, right? Maybe there will be some goddamn resistance to one goddamn thing eventually somewhere, right? Unless it's an anti-gun campaign led by the overly polished son of an FBI agent, nobody seems to give a fuck about anything, especially the slow roll of total control. I mean, obviously you care. We care. That's why we're here. But as I've said before, we talk, we listen but we don't act very often, and I understand why. Nobody really supports each other, but this could get pretty bad. It's just like, what can you do, though? You can't control other people. You can't make other people see, so we're always going to be the minority, the people on the outside, the outliers who are noticing this kind of stuff and don't want any part of it. I will say it was awesome to start with some of the old stuff, False chronology and out-of-place artifacts, those are great topics that we just haven't been able to touch in a while. I just know Max does a lot of speaking, so I wanted to cover a little bit of ground that I don't hear that often while also going deep into the agenda going forward where I think he's just knocking it out of the park. 
But do check out Max's free book. If you do like it, throw the guy a bone. Try not to just be a taker, right? Which reminds me, John Brisson said he gave out over 400 copies of Fix Your Gut to THC listeners. I really hope that we're at least giving him a few bucks in return because that is a lot of book sales that he sacrificed to the gods of generosity. And we heard how he suffered in his life and that fueled this research. So we really do want to show our appreciation, especially in his situation. But yes, folks, the clampdown does seem to be coming. But I don't want this type of thing to monopolize every conversation, so hopefully you won't hear me talk about it much until something else happens. It's a slippery slope to start using too much airtime about how you can't get your message out. I hear people do that, and I just think, well, I'm listening to you right now, and all you have to offer are your complaints about not being heard, so thanks. (laughs) And of course, that criticism has nothing to do with Max or today's show, but I think a lot of us have had moments like that listening to alternative podcasts. I would say, though, for my money, Max's breakdown of this roadmap is probably the most clear and easy to see laid out. I like his open-mindedness to the points he made about how everyone is going down just one rabbit hole and then they think they have all the answers, but that there are a lot of groups that have exercised a lot of control and lasting influence over the years. And you don't want to get blinders on and say that it's all X or all Y. Granted, we have a ton of guests who do have that mindset where they're like, I write about blank and so it's blank who's running the show. Well, I understand how a researcher can get obsessed with their perspective. It does drive the work. But the value for us is to hear them out and say, damn, that group did do a lot of damage. And then, you know, just stop short of that, well, this is all that matters type of tone. No map is going to cover all the territory, you know. That's what Robert Anton Wilson used to say. And Max seems pretty open to everything, but not completely sold on anything. And that's exactly why I think I resonate with his mindset so much. So yeah, great first hour. Sign up for Plus if you like what we do here. Not only do you get a second commercial-free hour of every show, but lifetime forum access. Like I mentioned, I got Max's guest requests from those forums, and I get so many guest requests from all sides, and I try to consider them all, but the Plus forums have to be my go-to. Also, in the extended show today, we did talk about the war crimes in Gaza, the concept that our bodies seem to be covertly being prepared for something, why the battle against the capstone cabal is a spiritual one at its core, AI and the prospect of an interdimensional invasion. We also talked about the flat earth and the deceptions of our overall environment, magic language and social media, the positive side of gaming communities, all kinds of good stuff. And I know that you want to sign up for that low, low cost of five bucks a month. It would be great if it could all be free forever. I did spend over a year giving hundreds of bucks back to the audience in the money bomb days, and that's about as good as I could do. So it is what it is, but we also had that plus exclusive episode this month with Lori Handrahan, another bonus for the people who have supported this project. But the episodes releasing this month are a tad slow again. We have shortened the chain of custody for THC episodes, so we should have a better schedule for April. So get ready for a new show again tomorrow and one probably on the 31st, but you know I always come through. I also was a guest on Off Planet Radio and on the Proud to Be Profane podcast, which is Michael Joseph's new project. 
So you can hear me on the other side of the mic again. In those two cases, if you're interested, something to tide you over. Not like you can't get by without me, but I do love you guys. Thanks for listening. And Max, again, thanks for a fascinating interview. I hope it'll come back down the line, and I'll see you guys soon. Your move pavers of the new Silk Road, social creditors, and architects of the Total Control Grid 2.0. Your fucking move. You know the plan has always been to hack your brain. MK just trying to drive you insane. They'll explode your heart if they think that's what it takes. You think I'm answering the phone? Well, I ain't. You gotta keep the curtains drawn. Cause you don't want anyone thinking you're at home. Well, you're not. You should tape the mail slot. And baby, if I seem withdrawn, let me say it's cause I just don't wanna go and get whacked. Maybe you should know that the trauma affects you like it does everyone. It's just the game plan, it's what the world's become. They want a pat down and a swap. Don't you see what's going on? Well, now you know. You're better keeping on your own, cause you can see the masters lie too much. Oh, baby, you can only trust yourself. And if you think the system's out of touch, it is and you can only trust yourself I hope you know the elite aren't your friends They'll suck out everything from you in the end And if for some reason you think I might be wrong I wonder where you got that opinion from You gotta keep the curtains drawn Cause you don't want anyone thinking you're at home Well you're not you should tape the mail slot And baby, if I seem withdrawn Let me say it's cause I just don't wanna go and get whacked Maybe you should know that The trauma affects you like it does everyone It's just the game plan, it's what the world's become They want a pat down and a swap Don't you see what's going on? Well, now you know can see the masters lie too much oh baby you can only trust yourself and if you think the system's out of touch it is and you can only trust yourself Maybe they aren't registering at all Now they know you're naive and vulnerable You won't believe all of the stunts that they'll pull Cause you can see the masters lie too much Oh baby, you can only trust yourself And if you think the system's out of touch it is and you can only trust yourself, trust yourself.
systems out of touch It is and you can only trust yourself 